Are you a HubSpot user looking to stay up to date with HubSpot, inbound, and all the information that will make your job easier and help you and your company grow better? Each week, the Spot brings you the HubSpot education, ideas, and tools that you need to maximize your success, make work just a little bit easier, and of course, brighten your day along the way. Listen in as Julie, Doug, Max, and George share their authentic, entertaining, and valuable conversations with the people who really matter. That's right, you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for your HubSpot journey heroes. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spot. Ready, spot, go. That's right. And we're back with another episode of The Spot. And of course, today, you know, we're going to throw in a little bit of an interesting conversation. Actually, I think all of our conversations are interesting. But I have to ask, Doug and Julie, when you went to the show notes and you saw the topic that I threw in there for this week's episode, I need your honest, transparent, immediate thought of what you thought when you saw that. I thought, I'll go first. I thought... Why why is everything about lead generation? Valid, valid. I thought if I read another article with the title of Is Blank Dead? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So let me let me give you both a little bit of backstory because I didn't share any reason of why this article and why this topic. Because I have had multiple conversations over the past, I'll say weeks, it's probably been a couple of weeks, where people are talking about content. It's interesting, Doug, that you went to lead generation because we weren't necessarily talking about webinars from a lead generation standpoint, although you do generate leads, but we are talking about it as a starting point for the content creation to be then repurposed into other items. And Julie, I love the fact that you brought out the fact of they're dead. Because even in the article, they're like, why do people do this? And I was like, no, why did you do it? Like, you did it in the title, but then you're talking about why people did this. So I want to get into webinars. Doug, I want to dive into parts where we're actually talking about webinars and sales. And so let's just go ahead and kind of start this out. When when you think of webinars in 2020 and or 2021, because holy crap, it's going to be here before we know it. Are there certain things from a sales, Doug, Julie, marketing, Doug, Julie, George, whoever, things that you think that we need to have e- either stopped doing or start doing as we move forward with our webinars? I think we need to stop doing crappy webinars. So dive into that though like when you say crappy <laughs> webinar see that i'm not going to let you off the off the hook uh this episode when you say crappy webinar what exactly do you mean like how how do you diagnose well well that's going to be a crappy webinar or well that was a crappy webinar what what is in the ingredients to that so i i think that there's kind of there's probably three elements you know the first is do i learn something of value you know, I, th- I think of a webinar and I think, you know, it, it, would somebody pay $500 to attend this? Is this a $500 course? But, but you know, not the complexity of the course. And I don't, I'm not thinking for a second about actually charging for the webinar, but you know, you're that you are right in, in terms of the, 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 the time that you're taking. And, you know, George, you and I have talked about this before in other places about video, you know, webinar, a webinar, a video, you know, that's a high investment. It's a high pull to get from somebody. And, and, and far too often, I've seen far too many webinars that would be better off as blog posts. Then I so number one is there is there real value. Number two, 
are you going to deliver it in an entertaining and compelling way? I, I think that you there are far too many webinars that that fall into the boring, you know, Ben Stein, Ferris Bueller, which is great and funny for about you know sixteen seconds. Or this other side has begun to happen because everyone's trying to you know pull, get eyeballs, etc. You have these you have these sessions with two or three people doing them, and it's just kind of like a it's a rand. It's not even a podcast conversation. It's just kind of like this this randomness of things that go you know that go down there. You know, a webinar takes planning. So so are you going to deliver it in a compelling fashion? And then the third element that I think is something that that is new, and I don't usually get into. I, I usually repel from the you know in you know in today's age, what do we have to do differently? Because most often it's like pretty much the same things we had to do before. But what is different is there are webinars today that would be better off as as either multiple videos or just purely on demand. You know, it's kind of like how video, you know, we had movies and then video started coming out with straight to video. You know, sometimes, you know, the way webinars are, are given, I think it would be better off not to do it theoretically as an event, but just, you know, hey, put it out there. It, it you know, it, it's good content from, for someone to be able to consume at, at a point in time in their journey. So, you know, so I, th I think the three things, you know, so that would be, you know, is it a gratuitous webinar? Those would be the so, three key places. So Julie, is there, are there other items that you would, you would kind of say, oh, that's, that's a poopy webinar. Like I, I watched this or I saw this or I heard about this. Is there anything that you would add to that? Yeah. So if you have like a 30 minute webinar and 15 minutes of it is a pitch, unless it's a like sales webinar and the point of the webinar is to be getting a demo or you're really kind of leaning into that like decision stage of the buyer's journey, which is something this article talked about, that you can use webinars across the buyer's journey. Finally, thank you. That's probably not good. Like I love the idea of thinking about the value you're providing in your webinar. So the last webinar I registered for was not a work-related webinar. It was something that I wanted to attend personally. And one of the hooks to get registrants was like, Hey, if you were it was like a group of like nutrition coaches and dietitians and things like that, that were coming together for a webinar, there were five or six of them. It was like, if you were paying us individually for consultations, this would be like $1,200 to get this group in your corner. So that makes it really compelling. And that's something that I think from a professional business standpoint, when we're talking about business to business, people don't do as much. And I've often heard people shy away from is like, okay, so what is the true value? If you were going to charge for this, what would you charge? And I think a lot of times if, if you're not willing to say, oh, I would charge for this, then it's probably not good content. It just, yeah. it all just comes down to good content. Don't, don't do crappy content, please yeah. save us. Yeah. But but I think it I think it's more than just good content. I think it's like you've got to give the goods. I I've been on you know, so like my question is, if I were to hire all of those people on that webinar, it would have cost me $1,200. Well, my question is, did they give you $1,200 worth of, did you walk away with real, like it was the experience of being coached by them, the real, you know, the, the real deal, you know, the number of times where it's all teaser, if, if you will, or it's all the stuff that everybody already knows. So there's got to be an original take. You, you have, like, if you're not scared by what you're giving away in your webinar, 
then you probably should not do a webinar. Yeah, it's interesting because, and again, my there's so many places I want to go with this conversation. So Julie, you you mentioned the buyer's journey and webinars across the entire buyer's journey. Thank you. Finally, I want to dive into that because I wanna I want to think about like what. Maybe we think of examples of like if we were this XYZ company and we were going to do three webinars or four webinars across the awareness, consideration, decision, deliver stages or whatever we have there, what that might look like. But I have to tell you, and I'm going to just kind of be honest and transparent. I actually had an epiphany over the last week where, you know, I want to do webinars. We're going to create some webinars. I did a webinar with a company called 23. It was about how to be more human with your webinars. And after I got done doing the webinar, I was like, oh, you know what? We should do that webinar for Impulse Creative. And then I stopped myself and I said, wait a minute. Why should we do that webinar for Impulse Creative? What would we sell them? Like, we're not a webinar company. We're not like a webinar services, right? And so I stopped in my tracks and I was like, and then thinking of this article, like starting with sales, what do they need? What can we reverse engineer? Like how, how should the webinars dive into kind of what is going to be part of eventually that handoff or knowledge that people will need to know? And so when you guys, Doug, especially this, at the beginning, you're like webinar lead gen, like is it or or is it not? And I think there's a there's a very interesting thing that because webinars have always been marketing pretty much or like really crappy sales pitches like Julie mentioned, there's this thing that a webinar could mold that, into. That's actually not true. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I want to I want to be clear because you said when I looked at the show notes, you know, for, for the prep, it said our webinar is still an effective content creation lead generation strategy. So that's why that was my first response was not that webinars mean lead. It was because I think webinars are very valuable. And I think lead generation is while they can be lead generation, that's one of like, that's not the big problem today. But but going back to, to your to, to what I said, where that that's wrong. Webinars are actually uh, hijack marketing hijacked that from sales. But right? if you go back pre internet, we used to do this thing called seminar. And they were expensive. And, and so they were very bottom of the funnel. They were customer-oriented events. They were very, very sales-focused. And one of the problems is, so I, we'll talk later, I'll, I'll share that I think there, there's two types of webinars. And I think the mistake, the mistake that gets made is most people use the wrong one at the wrong time. But, but you know, that, you know, marketing kind of hijacked that whole piece. And when you had this, you know, what, what happened was it, it was good for keywords, you know, it had, it had some keyword juice to it. It gave things to talk about. It also like one of the best things about a webinar is it the highest value of a webinar date is you reach out and you start talking to people. I used to like, I'll give away one of my strategies. When I first started Imagine, I always had a webinar schedule. It wasn't actually scheduled though. Here's what I would do. I would call on a webinar. And if I got five people who said they wanted to attend, I would pick a date that I would do it. And if I got five people that wanted to attend that webinar on that date, I would then actually schedule the webinar and run the webinar. So I probably ran one webinar for every 10 that I promoted because I reached out to talk about a webinar. And the point of it was, instead of saying, hi, George, this is Doug. I'd like to tell you about Imagine Business Development and all the wonderful, you know, hey, George, this is Doug. We're going to be hosting a, and and you would go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested. And I go, oh, okay, really? I'm curious. How are you handling it? 
right? And then we'd be into this conversation because one of the great things about a webinar is it's a give instead of an ask, right? And so like one of the things that is just like missed, I have to tell clients all the time. It's like they get so, we, we, we launch a webinar and they're like, webinar, webinar, webinar. And, and all of a sudden they, you know, even when they'll get their sales team involved and it becomes this like call center campaign to get people registered for a webinar and they'll create a KPI. How many attendees, how many registrants does each salesperson get? And I go, I don't care how many registrants they get. I care how many conversations did they have on the play? And you know what? By the way, I had the one rep call promoting a webinar where the person like was like almost begging them to talk to them and like, okay, well, great. I'll get you registered. And I'm like, well, well, why didn't you follow up with the question? He, he's like, well, because I was supposed to get him to register for the webinar. And I, and it's like, whoa, wait a second. We forgot the whole point of this was to have a conversation. So again, like it started, webinars start off as being very late stage. Then they got co-opted to earlier stages and then they got magnified and copied, et cetera. And they're now perceived as having come from marketing, but, but they were actually originally a sales oriented approach that marketing supported because they managed the event. I love that journey down history. By the way, not many people probably remember seminars, Doug. So it's nice. It's nice to have somebody that's close to my age that I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm talking overhead projector with, with like the, you would put it on. I I have my clear and I have the notebook of all mine and you have, okay, let's. Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen an overhead projector since oh, high school yeah. Latin. Oh yeah. Right. Man. There you had, go. And 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 we'd have our special we'd have our special markers. So we'd have mm-hmm. them in the covers and we'd have our special markers. And you know so what we, erase. So so we could so we could make them dynamic. So that was we call that animation. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So Doug, I do want to dive in a couple minutes back to that two types of webinars and people are using them wrong or at the wrong time. But Julie, I am itching to get into your brain for a hot second with the whole buyer's journey and this idea of, you know, instead of thinking of just creating one webinar, should marketers, sales teams, revenue teams, should they be thinking of creating these in like sets of three and maybe even working backwards, right? Okay, how? what's the bottom of the funnel? What's the middle of funnel? What's the top of the funnel? Okay, let's create these pieces of content. Like what? where does your brain go when we start to think about webinars through an entire funnel journey. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack and say like why I'm saying, yay, thank you. Finally, there's this, there's a, a line in this article and the, the point is literally they work across the entire customer journey, et cetera, et cetera. So there is this buyer's journey graphic from HubSpot that talks about the stages and what they mean. There's examples, there's an example of content in that stage and webinars is on the list and it's either consideration or decision stage on that list. So for many years, working for a marketing agency, developing content that includes webinars with clients, they would do a webinar and say, oh, now we have consideration stage content. We did a webinar. But the topic of the webinar might be something that's a little bit more thought leadership or it might be something that's more of um, a product-focused demo. It might even be a customer webinar. So in those situations, they didn't really have content at the consideration stage because they had a webinar, they had a webinar, right? And I've always felt like that little bit of that graphic was misleading and it was taken so much as an official stance. If you have a webinar, it's this stage. Not really, right? It's about the content and what you're sharing and and how it contextualizes whatever you're doing. So when I think about I think about webinars as much the way I do ebooks or blogs or anything else, right? They can be about any topic. You have to be providing value. I think if someone is going to live spend 
time with you physically, you have to be providing a little bit of extra value. It needs to be a a deeper dive, a more exclusive, an extra shiny sparkle magic moment. There has to be something that is keeping you in the moment with someone, especially we all, many of us work from home now. We know that you can have the webinar over here and the video game over there and the YouTube down there and, and be triple tasking as you're watching a webinar. So to me, it's not about where do webinars fit into the buyer's journey? It's, is this content the right content for you webinar? And then you figure out the rest of it from there. I don't think there's a buyer's journey campaign that is webinar, 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 webinar. That might get a little old. I don't know. It could be. Could be if you have the right content for it. I don't know if you have the right persona for it, right? If it fits into everything, but I don't think webinar to webinar doesn't work for me. Mm, interesting. So if I was going to, because it's interesting, I remember that graphic, by the way. Like, yeah, I still use case, it. Case studies, webinars, like, that, and I do. Is that I, like the? Is that the ISO inbound certification? Like, so you have to so webinar meets your consideration. It's so a little bit like that. ISO nine thousand certified. It's it's a great graphic for understanding the buyer's journey as a concept, but it boxes things in, and it's. See, I think that's the all. It was. I think that's all it was, I think someone at HubSpot put it together as an example of how you would use different types of content at different stages. And I just find it like very actually entertaining that, and I realized that people took it as, oh no, that's the recipe. See, here's it's our- It's been yeah, really yeah, hooked onto, right? Yeah. Oh, you can't have a consideration under- stage EBA. And, and I can't well, understand can. why customers hate salespeople and marketers for the life of me. I just I don't understand. <laughs> oh, we'll take anything and ruin it. It's amazing. So Doug, talk to me about this because I, I am very curious. Two types of webinars and, and how they're kind of being used maybe at the wrong times. I, I really want to dive into that. So I think I agree with Julie that, you know, all all a webinar, I mean, I'm I'm almost wanting to ask what is a webinar? Because really all a webinar, I think, I mean, any I think a webinar is a a video medium delivered at typically live in some fashion at a point in time around a topic. And it can be, you know, other than that, it can be just about anything. And so what I like to think about is I like to think about the education or knowledge funnel more than I like to think about the sales marketing funnel, flywheel, et cetera. It's more what's what's the progression of education. And, and so there's two high forms, you know, high value, high impact education. One is the type of education that creates a whole of knowledge. The other is a type of education that fills a whole of knowledge. Right. So most of what we think of as education is the second form. Right. So here, here's something to understand about people taking action on things. When there's discomfort, when there's pain, there's greater likelihood that someone's going to take action. Greater the pain, greater the likelihood of taking action. So one of the problems that people come in, and this is, by the way, is one of my problems with thought leadership. And on a future episode, we can talk about it because there's some really good research about how thought leadership doesn't do what you think it does. But we share our solution. We share how to solve a problem. We say, you know, seven ways to use a webinar and we give good knowledge and I learned something. And guess what? What happens when I learn something? Do I feel better or do I feel worse? I typically feel better. Hey, I just learned something. Wow. That's how you do it. Okay, cool. Guess what? I now have less pain. I'm less likely to take an action. And it also opens up the, hey, I just learned this new thing. Let me, right? Whereas if you're using if you're using webinars to generate conversations, to generate new lanes, to, what I do is 
and, and George, you'll appreciate this because you brought it up last week that, you know, you know, I, I changed the words that people use. Hey, well, what you're really saying is this, because what I mastered is I'm the master. I like to say so myself, if I say so myself, you know, the master of delivering education that creates the whole of knowledge. I, I call it teaching to the oh shit moment where you go, oh, wait, wait, that holy cow. And so what happens is there's now this hole that needs to be filled. I am, I got value, right? This was definitely worth it. And, and look, you have, I mean, you have to be on your game to deliver the first type. See, delivering the second type is easy, right? Now, now one of the problems is you, you, you end up delivering, I call them the Seth Godin webinars. Do you guys know what a Seth? So the Seth Godin webinar is, I, you know, I love it when people quote Seth Godin or they retweet Seth Godin or something like that. I'm like, dude, you really don't need to do that. Everybody follows Seth Godin. Everybody reads, you know, it's like when you, it's not as much anymore, but there was like this period where like everybody in marketing follows Seth Godin and someone would go, they'd retweet Seth Godin. And I would say, that's an unnecessary retweet. And so, you know, we end up packaging stuff that we already know into there and we go, well, gee, I don't know why this isn't working. Right. And that's because we're, you know, it, they go, oh, the tactic doesn't work. Well, the tactic is not, the webinar is not working. It's that you delivered the wrong type of content in the context of what you want it to achieve. The one of the, by the way, this approach also applies to blogs. It applies to eBooks. It applies to, by the way, a great eBook shares that a great eBook tells the hero's journey. It establishes the vision of what's possible, connects to where people are, then creates the, you know, hole of despair where, oh, wait, why is this so hard? What, what's the need for transformation? Then shares, here's the steps to transformation. And if it's an early stage ebook, that's going to emphasize on the whole, why is it so hard? And if it's a late stage ebook, it's going to highlight on the key steps associated to make the transformation and so forth. And so your content aligns to that education journey to that path of action. So I, I have to ask this. Do you think that because there are the two types, which by the way, all, all this makes sense. And like when you said educate up to the oh shit moment, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, that's that's interesting. Do you think that because there's two types that you should actually be leveraging because this wasn't exactly said, type one for this type side of your funnel and type two for this side of your funnel. Is there a handoff between the two types in your mindset? There, there, there's a mix. And the earlier the journey, the earlier, the, the more you're teaching. So, so I, about 15 years ago, I created a concept I call the three sale mindset. I, I took a look at every transaction that happens and I realized that when a sale gets made, one sale is not made, really three sales are made. The first sale is defining the problem. The second sale is defining the solution. And actually, I saw this quote the other day from, from, I forget which book it was from, but it was, before they can buy your solution, they have to buy the solution. And, and you know, before they can buy into your solution, they have to buy into the solution, right? So it's, and before they can buy into the solution, they have to buy into what the problem is. By the way, the single greatest predictor of what somebody is going to do is how do they define their problem? If you want to have the biggest influence on behavior and action, you influence how people define their problems and opportunities. So that's so the problem is sale one, the solution is sale two, and the approach is sale three. And part of the approach is who's the vendor, who's gonna who's gonna provide it. And so the earlier in the journey, the more you're creating the whole of knowledge, you're teaching the problem. To use an old sales vernacular, you're selling the problem. And then as you move later into the journey, you move towards, so it, you know, it's kind of the why. If you connect it to Simon Sinek, the problem is the why, the solution is the how, then, then what you do is the what. 
and and we tend to educate a lot on the what we're scared to death to give away the how because we think somebody's going to take it but but what we don't realize is the reason that our market doesn't value what we do is because they don't understand the how and if i don't understand how to do it like i i valued a great golfer's ability far more after i golf than before because when I only watched it on TV, it looked really easy. How hard could this be? You're just swinging this metal thing at a golf ball. Then I realized I'm like, holy, right? So you got to give that how away, right? But we're all scared to death to give the how away, right? And so you kind of go down that path and and there's, so like, I don't think any webinar, like if you're all problem, you're, you're the insurance agent that says, you do love your children, don't you? You wouldn't want them to grow up in economic, see that doesn't, well, I mean, it, it works because you got big giant skyscrapers with insurance logos on them. So clearly, you know, it, but it doesn't build sustained equity and things like that, right? So, so there's a mix and the mix goes, you know, heavier on the whole, lighter on the, on, on the, the solution, if you will, through to the end where you're, where you're heavier, but you still have to be reminding them, okay, here's the hole, here's the misstep, here's the risk, here's the consequence. It's, it, you know, another term I use is you got to remember you're always selling a prescription drug, not selling an over the counter. So Julie, I'm curious, like what is, what is the anthropologist brain doing right now with the conversation we're having? Like when you, when you think of like what Doug is talking about, this educational funnel, it kind of colliding with the sales and marketing funnel, the two different ways that we're talking and like the human brain, the psychology behind this. Is there anything that like, like what's been, you've been sitting there quietly for a really long time. Like what's happening inside of there? So I think it's our last episode. We talked a whole bunch about storytelling, right? And this idea of ebooks should have the, the hero and tell the storytelling arc. It's the same conversation, really. I don't think there's anything like flawed in that logic. I think telling a story is a lot easier to follow along than like data points and things like that, right? So this is not webinar specific, but it, I think it connects and we'll get there. One of the things that my team does is monthly and quarterly reporting for our clients. And in those monthly and quarterly reports, there's data. You got to have it. It's the people want. Give the people what they want. Many times when I have a new team member, their reports are a bunch of numbers. We had 2000 sessions from organic. There was a 1.5% conversion rate to leads. You had this many leads. You had this, you had that. Just the facts. What my job is, is to help my team learn how to use that data, those numbers that they're saying are important to tell a story and then present that story and tell that story. Similarly, let's talk about this webinar world, this ebook world, this content world. If you're just making statements, if you're just giving tips, if you're just listing things, if you're just using numbers, there's no story. That's hard to follow. That's like pretty, pretty boring. I don't want to listen to numbers all day. Tell me why they're important. Tell me how I can get that, avoid that. What does that mean to me? I think that's, that's really important. It's just this level of human communication. I think that the meta story for the business, like that, that's where the strategy that, that that's where the foundation of any good sales or marketing program is, you know, and that's like when we work on messaging, what we're really doing is we're establishing what's the base storyline. And the way I explain it to people is I say, okay, look, this is our messaging statement. And we always, you know, our messaging statement basically falls along. This is the problem we solve. This is the best solution. This is why we're the best. And I said, so if we were to take every piece of content, if we were to take every conversation, every, everything that happens over the next year, 
and we were to, you know, synthesize it and pull it all together, it would tell this story as an encyclopedia. But this is the story that we're always telling, right? So, so I, I think that's a great point that you bring up. Too often we look at at webinars, even when we do take even when there is the story element, we don't look at that as we, it, it's it's not a piece of the greater story. It, it becomes like I've seen a lot of people that do regular webinars and it's it's you know random stories, if if you will. And and I know a lot of people struggle like what is the story? And you made you actually made me realize that one reason why that's not a struggle for us is that we've already figured out what the story is. When we get to this webinar, it's like okay, well, what chapter? What what section of what chapter of this story are 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 we are we telling? That that stuff should already be pre-told. If, if you know if you get what I mean by being pre-told to carry that through, especially in a world that we're in today that is noisy as hell and assuming that you you know that you haven't raised you know a three hundred million dollar C round to to capture you know you know to pay five dollars for every dollar of revenue. I'm sorry, our company's doing that. Yeah, yeah. companies companies are doing that. Just ask yeah, Gary yeah. V. He talks about it all the time. So so here's here's where I want to kind of end with on this episode because again, one topic, one article. By the way, the links, listeners, viewers, or the link. I just want to point. I'm sorry, I just have to point it because we're on like we're on episode what 11 now. And I yep. so do you remember the first show notes, right? I think we had like four sections for the mm -hmm. webinar, right? And now we're yep. like what. One article. One. We can talk about one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I quickly learned we're only going to talk about one thing in this show. And uh, like, I just, I just paired it back because, there, and the thing is like, there's so much, you know how many times I've gone back and re-listened to episodes that we've done just because of the things that I want to go back and learn, like mm -hmm. conversation. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I, I've realized one thing, it's going to go pretty deep. There's going to be a lot of nuggets and so we don't have to build this whole like crazy show but what I want to kind of end on because again time flew by with what we were talking about is if you think of and I'll, I'll go first because I think there's there's something very important to this and, I, and I'll explain why I want you to think of like one tip that you would tell folks like if you're gonna do webinars if you have your story in place if if you strategize it going across the buyer's journey or piece or knowing where some of these are going to be in the buyer's journey if you're starting from maybe this sales perspective or having sales and marketing be together and it not be completely about lead gen. Like if you've, if you've got this kind of mindset that may have been molded through this episode, like what are, or what is a tip that you would give them? So think about that. Here, here's my tip. And, and I'm, I'm hot on this is that I think that we're in a place in time where we talk about live video, we talk about webinars, like they're different things and they are only because of platform, not because of actually what's happening behind the scenes. A, a webinar has been live video for years. The only problem is it's been a live video with somebody hiding behind a deck. And so my tip is going to be moving forward in as in many ways as possible ditch the deck and let me explain what I mean by that should you have slides yes should it be all slides no is there a way that you can embrace technology and your video can actually be part of your slide yes like an example when we do the how to be more human in your uh, webinars we literally have a part of the slide that shows the live feed of the actual person talking still so you get the slide and the person instead of a slide deck with a voiceover so ditch the deck and embrace 
technology that allows you to do that in these webinars? Because here's where I go to, and Doug, you leaned into this with, it's about the conversation. Webinars, if used right, it's about humanizing your brand. It's about them starting to know you, see you, hear you, like you, trust you, because then that conversation becomes a lot easier. So ditch the deck, embrace the technology to show yourself more and show slides less. Let them be the salt and pepper versus like the whole thing on the screen. Julia Doug, who wants to go first? What is your tip for webinars moving forward? I think my biggest thing is when when you're on camera, you're not in the room with someone talking to them. Even when you're on the phone, you have to sort of bump up your energy a little bit. It can come across very flat, even if you think you're being very dynamic. So that can be challenging. And I often will have new team members when they're consulting and things like that practice by recording themselves and listen to it back, watch it back um, and see what is your face doing? What is your voice doing? You know, that monotone really is not going to work. It's not going to work for a webinar. You could be telling the best story, but if you don't have inflection and emotion and you're not speaking in an engaging way, then probably not going to be a very successful webinar. So really think about how you are telling the story in addition to what the story you're telling. I love that. Ener energy is so important. And there's a that little nugget that you threw in there of like, watch yourself or that having the team watch. Like, listen, sports players, they watch the tapes. They look, should I, should have I zigged or zagged? You know, did, did was it the flick of the wrist? Was it enough? Like, you got, you got to make sure that you're doing uh, this right. So I love that little tip too. Doug, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that what you should do. I want to have an episode on ditch the deck, okay? Because I got I, I and and the other thing I'll say too is I think what you guys both did was I think you both gave really great tips for doing video, but not about what should be a webinar because a webinar is this is happening at a date and time, right? And so what I'm going to tell you is there's only one reason to do a webinar, only one value for the webinar, and that is what are the conversations that you have before and after the webinar? What happens on the webinar, that's video. You can do that on demand today, right? But the webinar, the value of the webinar and where you need to be moving your focus, what are the plays that you're running before? What are the plays that you're running after? What are you doing on your website after the webinar to generate more? It's all about what happens before and after right? Because why get everybody to one place at one time in, in you know, when, once you repurpose the webinar, it's now on-demand content, it's video, right? Right. But, but again, to me, the biggest missed opportunity on the webinar is massive amounts of value, creative engagement and conversation before the webinar. And I think that's true from a sales standpoint. And I think from a marketing standpoint, why not add some quizzes that come up that connect to what the webinar topic is? Why not have posts that, you know, whatever that might be, that's really, you know, if you begin to think of it through that lens, otherwise just record the video, do something really good, put it up on your website and let people watch it when they want to watch it. So that's super, like, I I'm literally sitting here as you're talking, Doug, and I'm like, oh, why did we wait to pull them till the webinar? Like, why aren't we polling them? Like, different things like that. Like we, we ask, we, we say in webinars, make sure you ask questions, make sure you use polls. Like I, I love what you've painted this picture of like, like the before and after let's just leave it at that. The, Go ahead. You may, you want to know the biggest wasted asset in the marketing sales teams bundle is the people that register for a webinar before the webinar occurs. Nobody does anything except that the day before you get the automated email that says, remember your web, like who's like, like, get me. 
send me a poll, get me a little bit jazzed up, get me talking, you know, you've got me registered for something. Like mm. why is your no show rate so high on your webinars? Well, cause they, someone registered for the webinar 12 days ago. And the next time they hear about it is 24 hours before with an automated email that's got a 50% chance or greater of not coming into your main inbox. Yeah. And let's be honest, those automated emails suck. Yeah. Like there's no photo of the person. There's no like, it's just the title and the date and a link. Anyway. All right, folks, hopefully, hopefully, and I'm going to use this term because I had to jot it down. Hopefully this episode has been an extra shiny, sparkly moment for you. That's thanks to <laughs> Julie. She said that in the episode. I was like, oh, I got to jot that down. But make sure you hit us up. Make sure you leave us a raving uh, review. Make sure you go to Sprocket Talk, watch the episode or listen to it on your favorite podcast episode if you want to hear or see an episode that is about thought leadership or an episode that's about ditch the deck because those are two future episodes that doug said he'd love to do you need to make sure you hit us up on the twitter she's at real julie d at george b thomas he's at doug davidoff and of course don't forget we do have another you know host just happens to be dealing with family and babies and all sorts of fun stuff like that you can also hit up at max jacob cohen Until next time, folks, make sure you are being a happy, helpful, humble human, and we'll see you in the next episode.